Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome in to World Soccer Talk Radio. My name is Nate Abarea. Hope you had a fantastic footballing weekend. I hope your footballing weekend, your soccer weekend, your calcio weekend, your football weekend, whatever it was, I hope it was a little bit better than mine. That snooze fest that ended with a dagger to the heart at Anfield. And we'll be talking, unfortunately for me, but fortunately for you, we'll be talking plenty more about the match that I speak of. Our guest is Phil Brown, the, I don't know if he's the better half of Beyond the Pitch, I just know that he's half of Beyond the Pitch. Our good friend Anto, I'm sure, has something to say about that, all you fans of Beyond the Pitch on Sirius XM FC. Who is the better half of Beyond the Pitch? Is it Phil Brown, the man who will be with us today, or is it Anto, the man who has appeared on this show before? We shall ask Phil, we'll put Phil on the spot, see who the the superior half of Beyond the Pitch really is. Phil Brown is a diehard Manchester United fan, so he is going to be doing a little bit of, I don't know if he's going to be doing gloating, because I don't know if Man United fans could really gloat after the way they played in, in that match yesterday at Anfield, where they truly smashed and grabbed and escaped Anfield with all three points, 1-0, Wayne Rooney, 15 minutes from time, on a rebound off of a Fellaini header, that's right, former Evertonian, basically setting up former Evertonian and how much abuse does Fellaini take from Manchester United supporters he gets up on a corner Liverpool again absolutely abysmal at defending set pieces but Fellaini with that big mop gets up heads one off the crossbar Simon Mignolet saying Simon Badger is going to slip today and do something weird and goal Wayne Rooney picks up the rebound knows exactly what to do with it one nil to United and I love all those United fans the whole day singing all those anti-scouser songs in the away end there at Anfield you know you find a dead rat and you think it's a treat and then what do you know a scouser a proud scouser scores the winning goal for you be grateful United fans Wayne Rooney He's a scouser, true and true. Boring LVG, weak Liverpool, crazy clop. We'll talk about it all with Phil Brown on the other side of this break. My name is Nate Abarea. Pleasure to have you with us right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the radio show, World Soccer Talk Radio, live with you here on Sports Byline, all across the USA, and coming to you in podcast form, on demand, via iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the website, worldsoccertalk.com. My name is Nate Abaurea. Tweet me at NateWST. All of you Manchester United fans, you have had a very good time tweeting me over the last 24 hours or so. And as we promised, we do have a Manchester United fan coming on with us. He's also a fantastic radio host in his own right. <laughs> Alongside Anto, he hosts Beyond the Pitch on Sirius XM. Philip Brown, how you doing, sir? Doing good, Nate. How are you? Doing mighty good. So did you enjoy yourself yesterday or what, sir? Uh, I would say as a United fan for the first time, probably this season, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let, let's talk about this thing. I, I've already gone, gone pretty in-depth in terms of the, the snooze fest that was, and I'm calling it mm-hmm. the most effective snooze fest of the season. It seemed oh so calculated how everybody was just put to sleep by this thing, and then one of my favorite football cliches in all the world, the smash and grab as United somehow leave Anfield with all three points. I mean, it seemed like everybody was put to sleep, and then United escaped with three points. It, it, it had such, it was so reminiscent of an old Sir Alex Ferguson type Liverpool, or type United performance against Liverpool. What did you make of, of the match as a whole? Take us through your thoughts. Well, actually, that's a pretty good assessment, Nate, because what most people don't realize is that United really typically play very bad at Liverpool. And the best dive they've ever seen them play at Anfield, well, at least in a good decade, was last season. Um, yes, we know Manchester United have been awful this season, but if there's probably one game or two games where performance doesn't matter, it's United against Liverpool or United against City. I think most United fans will accept playing bad in both of those games if the result is right. I think uh, both of them would rather play bad and win than play well and lose. Uh, that game genuinely is just about the result. United had one shot on target the whole game, which obviously Wayne really took. But, um, you know, the, the problems can wait for another day. Well, exactly. And uh, we'll, we'll, believe me, we'll, we'll get into to those problems here in a little bit. But let's talk a little bit more uh, about this match. And, and from, from both sides here, actually even jumping over to, to Jurgen Klopp and everything that he tried. I mean, I, I talked in the opening of the show today about how I just looked at the Liverpool team sheet and it just didn't look that good. And, and I saw this match and I said after the first 45 or what was it 47 minutes in that first half, I said, God, that looked like sixth place taking on ninth place. And, and that's about the best way I could I could sum up that first half. And honestly, the second half was was quite a lot more of the same. I mean, are, are you seeing anything from either of these teams that could lead either of them into the top four? No, uh, you're talking about two teams that have eight European Cups, 38 league titles between them and England's two most decorated teams. Uh, and they had one world-class player on the pitch, which was a goalkeeper, uh, which says it all. Uh, you know, both teams are a long way off, challenging Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, who really have the best players in the world. Look, there's a really small group of players that you would consider to be the best players in the world in their position. And maybe three, four clubs have those. That's Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, PSG. Uh, Manchester and Liverpool can't get close to those players. Uh, I think that's a reflection of not just them, but the English league in general. Uh, both clubs have really pathetic uh, recruitment and how they go about recruitment. Brendan Rodgers said something that 
yesterday on Goals on Sunday about how they went about signing Mario Balotelli, which should give you an insight into what happens at a lot of top clubs in England. Basically, it was Mario Balotelli, he's a bit good. Yeah, we'll have him. There's no, we need this type of striker, we need to have that attribute, this attribute, this attribute, move us forward as a team. The thought process is, he's a bit good, we'll have him. And that happens more than what you think. Um, so when you have recruitment like that, it's no surprise that you have a mishmash of players on both teams that really look completely disjointed and not a team at all. Well, Phil, you touched on a really interesting point there, and I, and I want to stay. I want to keep the scope on both clubs here, on both Manchester United and Liverpool, because when I when you talk about world class, I mean it. It kills me as a Liverpool fan to think that God, it was just yesterday. It was just two seasons ago when Luis Suarez was one of the best players on the planet, banging in thirty-one goals for Liverpool. When Daniel Sturridge stayed healthy and and was one of the best strikers on the planet, the SAS. I mean everything that went on with Liverpool that season that was so recent. When I think about United only two or three years ago and the world-class talent that we saw on the pitch, but you're pointing out something that is much deeper than the surface. You're pointing out some very systematic flaws in terms of the the, the academy, the health of the, the Manchester United system. And, and as a Liverpool fan, even seeing this past Merseyside derby at Goodison back a few months ago being the first time in, in I think, over a decade where there wasn't a scouser uh, in the lineup for, for the Merseyside derby for Liverpool. And, and what that kind of says about the, the Liverpool system and, and what's going on at Melwood these days. You're, you're touching on a very, very interesting topic here, and I'd love to hear you kind of expand on, on your thoughts on this, Phil, as far as the, the systematic flaws right now with both of these storied clubs. There's some similarities in that, look, their ownership group, both Americans, don't particularly value academies. Uh, we have a very hard time in this country implementing academies because the way it's sold is you've got this huge investment into developing your own young players, something that is incredibly alien to American sports and having academies and developing your own players. Usually Americans just go through the draft system, get their kids from college. So you go into these people and you're saying, look, invest all this money and you might get a payoff in some young players coming years from now. That's the best you can hope for. Now, I don't think the Glazers or FSG really look at their investment at Liverpool and United that far down the line. I think they look at it and say, look, what we are using these football clubs for is for profit. They're not here to be uh, to, 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 to be um, uh, owners that are here to... to hand out money to, to live some dream of, you know, Liverpool United playing to the romantic side and, and, and funding these clubs so that they can be uh, these storied clubs. All that's just for fans, for these guys that are ruthless business owners. Look, <clears throat> Liverpool and Manchester United, Manchester United's academies are disgraced. They've had no academy director for 13 months. Uh, Brian McClure left 13 months ago, went up to Scotland, and they've had no one to replace him. Their current academy director, or the closest thing you could call a director, is about to resign uh, because United won't compete financially for young players. So uh, a club that's had a youth team player in its first team squad for 70 years, is that will go away very soon. Uh, you see, compare Liverpool with Everton, who have got local domestic kids in their first team. Liverpool haven't done that in a long, long time. Uh, where, why is Ross Barkley not coming through at Liverpool? Why was Jack Rodwell not coming through at Liverpool? Why even Wayne Rooney not coming through at Liverpool? Um, so if you look at their first team, there's no academy players even close to it. United, 
uh, same thing. They, when Manchester United are buying a player or deciding to keep a player, you and I evaluate these players purely on the field performance, but that's not the way they're evaluated in boardrooms. They're evaluated based on what value they have to the club as a brand. People may raise eyebrows. Why is Wayne Rooney still at Manchester United? <clears throat> well, he's still at Manchester United because when people who come and want to partner with Manchester United commercially, he's one of the most demanded players <clears throat> Excuse me for people to put on their brand. People want Wayne Rooney. He's an instantly recognisable face through Asia, and people want that brand association. The Wood, Ed Woodward comes from Manchester United's commercial department, so he'll know exactly what sponsors want. That's a business that happens to play football. Well, so Phil, do, 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 on, on that note, Phil, do you feel like the, the internationalization of, of the Premier League has, has been a major part of, of this downfall that you speak of? Because I feel like Manchester United fans for, for decades prior would actually their, their brand that they'd love to see is one of our own. They'd love to see a Mank mm-hmm. rising through the ranks. <laughs> Liverpool fans would love to see a Scouser coming through. I mean, is that something where the internationalization of this whole thing has really been part of the downfall? The list of priorities and what is an issue at the football club or prioritize the football club has changed. So Barcelona and Bayern Munich, uh, they're run purely as football clubs. They are football clubs that have a wonderful balance between youth team, players who come through their system, along with the best players in the world. Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, they're run purely, simply as business. And they do not care about prioritizing football and making money that way. Uh, you look at Arsenal, a uh, football club that finished fourth, that's all that matters. Finishing fourth is more important to them than winning the FA Cup because what they're basically saying is we're qualifying for a revenue stream. So this is what gets prioritized in English clubs. Revenue, not glory, not success, not anything else because that's how they make their money. Well, we'll talk about this a little bit more on the other side of the break, and I want to actually really focus in on on what's gone on at Old Trafford over the last three or four years and and talk about the Glazer reign and and what it's really meant not only for Manchester United, but kind of as a as a microcosm of what's gone on in English football over the last few years. His name is Philip Brown. My name is Nate Abare. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Continuing after this. Stay tuned. World Soccer Talk Radio. Tweet us at World Soccer Talk. Tweet me, Nate Abaurea, at Nate WST. And if you're looking for an advantage when betting on soccer, I got to let you know about FanBet, a unique open betting platform where you can follow your friends and top ranked bettors to get a wealth of betting tips to help improve your real money bets. Here's how it works FanBet runs weekly contests called FanPlay. Members place bets on Premier League games using betting credits, and the game data is then analyzed, and top bettors are ranked according to their success. And FanBet allows you to see these live picks and betting history of all of these players. And by following winners, logic implies that you will become more successful yourself. Sign up today for your free account at fanbet.com. And after you log in to your fan bet account, first thing you'll see is a live stream of picks from winning bettors, each better ranked based on their average return from their last five bets. And then you can add any pick to the odds tracker and fan bet will compare leading bookmakers to give you the best available odds for your money. It's as simple as that. Improve your soccer betting returns today with FanBet.com. Another big thank you to FanBet for their support 
of World Soccer Talk Radio. Phil Brown of Beyond the Pitch from Sirius XMSC is with us right now. And hey, before we actually go back to that conversation that we ended the last segment with, and, and we're really going to delve deep into this thing and then the Glazer rain at Manchester United. We've had your buddy Anto on the pitch, who, who and I want to know because sometimes Anto is called the other half of Beyond the Pitch. Sometimes yep. you're called the other half. Who is the better half of Beyond the Pitch, Phil? That's the true question here. Without a doubt, me. No, no, no. Um, Anto, he is the heart, the soul, the brains behind Beyond the Pitch. Uh, there wouldn't be Beyond the Pitch without Anto. There never would have been a Beyond the Pitch without Anto. You know. People on the outside, and I know you guys know this too because you guys, I'm sure, deal with the same thing. People think this is just picking up a set of headphones and talking. The preparation that goes in to what Anto does is un- unbelievable. It's incredible. Uh, his dedication and love of the sport and love of what he's doing. Uh, Anto is not a guy that uh, covers the most obvious things in the sport. Anto is a guy that can sit down and talk uh, the legalities of FIFA inside and out with someone like Daniel Gee, or he can talk about transfers, whatever you want. Uh, Sensationally talented guy. And to be honest, uh, I know I'm biased, Nate, but it's absolutely staggering to me that um, Anto isn't working at a higher level because he is incredibly intelligent and very, very good at what he does. And I feel privileged to work with a guy. A great, great friend of the show has given us uh, plenty of his time uh, since we started this thing back in April of, of 2015. Some fascinating conversations, not only about Italian soccer uh, with Anto and, Eng- yeah. and the English game as well, but also some of the most in-depth conversations that I've ever had about Japanese, Korean, yeah. and Chinese soccer as well. Anto has this this big love for, for Asian soccer. I very much uh, appreciate the trips back to the O2 World Cup. And uh, hey, tell us actually how you guys originally met and started working together. I know you guys have been doing the big show since uh, 2010, I believe, but how did you guys actually come across each other in the first place? Well, I had done a, a lot of work with World Soccer Daily in the past, and uh, they had asked me in the, way back 2009, 2010 to do uh, a football podcast, and we had looked at doing some stuff. I had originally started it out doing it with a guy called Chris Taranyi, Um Things didn't jive, things weren't working. Anto had been calling into the show and had made an enormous impression on me with his intelligence, his knowledge of football, uh, how how radio-ready he was. And we just started to do more and more together, and it just had a natural synergy to it. So I'd never met the guy, had no idea who he was. And the only introduction I had to Anto was through the radio, and and I didn't meet him probably for a year and a half into the show, uh, personally. We'd just done everything over via Skype, and uh, our first shows were a disaster in terms of the technical quality. Uh, They were really poor, but that was okay. You know, everybody's got to start somewhere, and we eventually ironed things out, got better, got better, and somehow bluffed our way into making people believe that we were this huge radio show in the US and capitalized on the appetite of big European clubs wanting to capture the American market and we just get huge interviews with some huge players and it just sort of grew from there. 
You know, I, I go. I want to go back to something. You just made a, a very funny point, but it's also a really important point. And that is that I can't remember. I think I've had this conversation with Anto himself, but I actually had this conversation uh, with the great Rodney Marsh uh, on mm-hmm. on this show back last year. And he was talking about when England came to Florida uh, in preparation for the 2014 World Cup. Rodney Marsh was so blown away with the accessibility that he gained to Roy Hodgson, where he would he could just go to Roy Hodgson and and get an interview and and he could get Steven Gerrard. He could get Jordan Henderson. He could get Wayne Rooney, any of these guys. And Rodney himself, who's obviously a a legendary footballer in his own right, a legendary pro and and someone who has now transitioned into the into the broadcasting world. Rodney was laughing, going. There's no way back in England that I'd be given this mm-hmm. level of access. And Anto and I have actually shared this conversation as well. I mean, it's incredible. You touch on that, that you, the, to, to many of these people over in Europe, they'll, they'll give us huge names that they actually wouldn't give to people in England, Phil. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. And there's a number of reasons. Obviously, like we've just covered the fact that uh, they want to crack the American market. And also another aspect of that is is, is the lack of trust they have in the British media. Uh, they are really quite afraid to leave their players alone with the British media and what's going to end up coming out. Uh, huge clubs try to control the media that comes out. So you have to be really careful because you're really only going to get access to these people on a promotional basis if you want legitimate journalism where you can objectively cover an interview with these guys, that you're not going to get that access. Now, if you want to take a guy and say how great he is, they'll give you access. So, But if you want to challenge a player or someone of some transgression in his past or uh, talk to him objectively, then they're going to control it. So basically, you'll get promotional access, uh, which for us was good enough because – we would we would have taken any access, but it, there does reach a point whenever you say, "Okay, I don't want to be a cheerleader. I want to objectively cover this sport," and that means these guys aren't my friends. Uh, I have to cover it properly, uh, and then your access starts to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, well, and, and and there we go again with the the age old struggle of finding that perfect middle ground, finding mm-hmm. that that perfect gray area, that nuance of of being investigative, but also being accommodating. Exactly, investigating and accommodating. All right, we we could break down journalism one hundred and one for for hours here, Philip. I actually want to go back to what we were talking about in the last segment here about the club that you support and and the Glazer reign at Manchester United. There's an interesting question that's actually been posed to me quite a few times, and and I want to just throw it right to you as someone who supported this club for so long. Do you feel like the end of the Ferguson reign at Manchester United and and the way it ended on such a high note and winning the title and and even just competing and being so on top of things for for those last final few years of the Sir Alex Ferguson reign – do you feel like those few years actually did a little bit of long-term damage to Manchester United in terms of the way that they maybe papered over the cracks of, of all the problems, the, the systematic flaws that you talk about underneath the Glazer rain, Phil? Uh, you know, look, there's a really, really long answer to this, Nate. Uh, the, to, for a football club who says in Manchester United, you can't isolate one incident and say it's because of this. Look, Manchester United, uh, as a football club, uh, were stuck in the 80s. This is a club that hasn't had to change their manager since the 80s, the way they were recruited was stuck in the 80s. Chelsea, Arsenal, or not Arsenal, but Chelsea, all the top clubs 
were used to high translation of coaches. They didn't stand still between translation of coaches. United did. The, the, the transition between Ferguson to Moyes was a disaster, not just in terms of the transition to the coach, but the transition to the executive vice chairman and Edward Wood. But the rut that set in at Manchester United really came about as a result of Ferguson's relationship with the previous owners, uh, uh, J.P. McManus and Magna, who he had very, very personally. He was very close personally with them. They owned a horse that they give him the stud rights to, or give him the, the rights to prize money that the horse won. He wanted stud rights. I'm going to try and condense this answer as best I can. Uh, that's worth a lot of money because this, the horse was based in Ireland. In Ireland, there's no tax on stud rights, so the stud rights were worth a lot of money. They said, you're not getting the stud rights. It went to court, got really ugly. They started questioning Ferguson on a lot of issues that happened within the football club, like, for example, pressuring players to sign with his son's agency, uh, saying, if you don't sign with my son as, his agent, as your agent, then you're not getting a new contract. Uh, things like that were happening. Uh, for, uh, and Ferguson ended up having a terrible relationship with the owners. They sold the Glazers. Ferguson backed the Glazers, even though it was not in Manchester United's interest, not even close, and um, because he wanted rid of the old owners. So in comes these people that don't have the money, buying Manchester United on £700 million worth of debt on credit card interest rates, and said to the club, you're going to pay off our debt. So the lack of spending net spending that happened really after the, the credit crunch in 2007, 2008, um, was a result of the fact that United had to continuously refinance and Ferguson covered for that when he shouldn't have uh, because he backed himself into a corner. You have to understand what goes on behind the club politically. So um, I have no sympathy for the position Manchester United find themselves in. How much of that? Do, I mean, is there any blame that you put on on Sir Alex Ferguson on, on on the the king of? But I, I wonder. I obviously, obviously, you have a little bit uh, that you do, and and thinking about this as a United supporter, thinking also about this objectively as as a journalist and and as a broadcaster. But I wonder how many Manchester United fans realize this. How many United fans in the world are really willing to put a little bit of blame on the current situation on a systematic level at the club on Sir? Alex Ferguson. I feel like that, that's almost too complex for, for a lot of people. And I don't want to yeah. sound like I'm like I'm coming across here as some some high and mighty up on my perch here, but I feel like that is almost a little bit too hard to to calculate for some people how Sir Alex Ferguson could be to blame for some of the current situation. Well, that's fair. And a lot of people don't follow the club to that type of forensic degree. A lot of people are casual fans that watch the game but don't pay much attention to what really goes on. There's other fans that are like me that uh, are very close to the club and work closely with the club and I get to see things that happen on the inside, get to talk to people that work on the inside. And look, this is about uh, someone who's incredibly uh, egotistical, which you expect of someone to be that successful. Uh, is And, and that, by the way, this battle is still going on to present day behind the scenes where Edward Woodward doesn't like Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson doesn't like Ed Woodward. Ed Woodward won't sack Louis van Hull because he knows Ryan Giggs is going to want the job after that. And that's going to basically mean Alex Ferguson's guy's back in the job and the United are doing everything to avoid that. So um, you have to understand the politics of the club. So is there culpability on Ferguson's side? Absolutely. Look, we've seen what happened since Ferguson's left the club and how... traumatic that has been for United and how basically the success has disappeared. Well, the problem is, uh, Nate, if the Glazers had have take, 
went to the banks and said, Alex Ferguson is not supporting this takeover. There's no way that have been lent the money because their, pro, their, their payoff plan was based on Ferguson being successful. And he was key to getting the fans to back it. Now, just quickly, Ferguson had used the fans to support him in his fight with the previous owners, uh, with the Rock of Gibraltar, because United fans protested at the horse races um, that the previous owners would attend, where their horses raced. And then when the Glazers came in and the fans protest, Ferguson then proceeded to knife those same fans in the back and say that uh, they had no right to protest. This was always about Sir Alex Ferguson and what was best for him, not what was best for Manchester United. Phil, we've only got 90 seconds left here with you. And so, I mean, this is a question that we could talk for, again, hours mm. on. But how long, does the, how long does the shadow lurk over Old Trafford? And I speak, of course, of the, the, the Scottish shadow that is mm. Sir Alex Ferguson. How long does this thing just hang around? As long as it takes United to be successful again, uh, United are as much to blame for that themselves because they can't move on from it. They're trying to repeat it. They're trying to get a long-term manager and in a game that doesn't have long-term managers anymore. That's because United have no football brain on the board. There's no football people making football decisions. And this is they're haunted by his ghost. Uh, so he doesn't help, of course, but uh, this is going to continue until somebody big enough comes into the club and is successful. And I encourage every listener out there to do more than just scratch the surface when you're analyzing the problems at a football club like Manchester (laughs) United is so much deeper than many people would like to admit. And I really appreciate your time, Phil. And hopefully we can uh, continue this conversation again sometime soon. And before we let you go, actually, how can folks uh, get a hold of of you in uh, social media and how can they catch the show beyond the pitch? Yeah, so you can get me at Malakines on Twitter, uh, or you can catch us on Sirius uh, Channel 85. That's uh, 9 to 11 Eastern time on Friday and Monday, uh, 2 to 4 uh, Pacific time uh, on Saturday, uh, or on One World Sports. So there you well, go, there's- guys. There you have it, Phil Brown, co-host of Beyond the Pitch with our good friend Anto on Sirius XM. Thank you so much for joining us. And Thanks for having me, guys. My God, my God, Phil, I guess I'm going to have to say it. Congratulations on the victory yesterday. <laughs> thank you so much. It's a, it's a small pleasure in a very difficult season, so thank you. Well, at least, at least a scouser got you the winning goal. We're back <laughs> after this on World Soccer Talk Radio, taking the express train home. Stay tuned. Finish. Happy guitar time, man. World Soccer Talk Radio back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Another big thank you to Philip Brown, Belfast finest, a Manchester United supporter who I greatly respect. And it's worrying me how many of those, you know, because of this gig, because of this job here with World Soccer Talk Radio and hosting this show Monday through Friday, it's scaring me how many Manchester United fans I'm developing great professional working relationships with. It's like I'm growing up or something. I'm not the pseudo-hooligan that I once was. Nate Abarea signing off. World Soccer Talk Radio. Talk to you tomorrow. Love ya. Bye for now.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm